Growing closer to God has often been compared to combat. Join me today as I use insights from Navy SEALs to inspire a plan for healing. Welcome to Physically Spiritual. I've been amazed by how much growing physically healthier has changed my spiritual life. I am captivated with discovering the truth about my body and how it relates to my relationship with God. Physically Spiritual is my attempt to harmonize and share what I've discovered. I'm your host, Andrew Reinhardt. Welcome. On this episode of Physically Spiritual, the show notes are going to be particularly helpful. I do my best to create top-notch show notes with all of the, the main topics of the show, with the time, with uh, all the quotes are, that are used in the show, uh, links to further references, and work links to my website, becominggift.com. Today, we're going to talk about a healing plan, and on my website at becominggift.com forward slash post forward slash plan, that link is in the show notes, you can find a free worksheet that will take you through uh, designing your own plan for healing. Since combat has the highest stakes attached to it, leadership that works in combat is often very effective in other areas of life too. In light of our faith, the first-hand experience of what the highest stakes are aren't just limited to those in combat. For us, the highest stakes are not the death of our physical body, but the death of us spiritually. So combat and war have often been used as an analogy for the spiritual life. Our relationship with God and his angels, and our resistance of the fallen angels, the demons, and our own disordered desires has the highest stakes attached to it, our eternal life or our eternal death. The plan that I'm going to share with you today has been inspired by a couple retired Navy SEALs, um, Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. They are the authors of a book called Extreme Ownership and work with a business consulting firm called Echelon Front. Um, and based on their combat experience, they've developed a system of leadership principles, which they use to help people run their businesses better. But I think these principles will translate very well into the spiritual life. And I've been actually using them in my own life to improve my plans of how I'm approaching growth. So one thing I want to mention is this is in the context of attempting to give your whole life to God, meaning you have to have changed everything you know to change. A, a lot of times um, we might still have more ground to give or more ground to take, meaning um, we actually could do more for the Lord um, and we just need to dig deeper. Uh, this isn't always the case because we do eventually run into a place where we honestly just can't do better. We can't choose better. We're stuck. We have a vice. We have a bad habit. We're acting out of wounds. Um, so this plan really applies best in the context where you get to that place where you know you're stuck, when you've done everything that you know to uh, to grow, and you, you still can't change. You still can't overcome your sin. Um, sometimes these places where we're stuck, especially early in the spiritual life, have been called our predominant fault. This predominant fault is something that sort of lingers in our heart through the early stages of the spiritual life, and as a result, it, it it both keeps us stuck, but it consistently reminds us of God's grace and God's love. We continue to experience God's compassionate forgiveness by bringing this to him over and over and over again. 
it builds our desire for the Lord as much as it, it keeps us away from him. So this spiritual uh, healing plan, or maybe just healing plan, because it's going to include our body and it's going to include our mind, um, has three phases. The first phase is plan. Second is practice. And third is execute. Right? All three of these are essential steps. And I think a lot of times our, our planning is incomplete because we leave out a part of it. We might come up with a great plan, but then when, uh, when the actual opportunity to use it comes, we just revert back to our old habits. Maybe we forget to practice to figure out a way to drill. Or, or maybe we're really focused on just getting by day to day and we don't actually make a plan. Right? So we can leave out any one of these steps really easily. So first to plan, uh, I would propose differentiating between goals and objectives. A goal is your, your ultimate desire for what you want to happen. The goal is the one thing that defines success, that defines victory for you. Your objectives are the things that you have to accomplish to get yourself there. So for example, um, if you were in a combat situation, your goal might be to take control of a building. Well, your first objective would be just to get to the building, right? Maybe you're going to land there or you're going to have to travel there. And then the next objective is to safely get to the outside of the building. And your third objective might be to secure the building, to empty it of people who could be potentially dangerous, right? But in the combat situation, you break the goal down into these smaller objectives. And we can do ourselves a great disservice if we leave out one or the other, right? If we're just focusing on objectives without calibrating ourselves to an ultimate goal, or if we do the opposite, if we just have our goal in mind, but we haven't actually defined what success looks like day to day, because chances are you're not going to make this plan and then all of a sudden tomorrow just never struggle with this again, right? If that's the case, just do it, just change. Um, but like I said, when you really run into that place where you're stuck, it's helpful to define your objectives, not just what the ultimate goal is, but what does success look like to today? Then what will success look like tomorrow? The second thing you have to do to make this plan is have reconnaissance. You have to take a deep look at what's going on, understand your enemy's tactics, understand the terrain that you're entering into, uh, determine the best course to take to get there, the most effective means to the end you're looking for. Um, so when we're doing this, I want to recall my episode about three essentials, episode four. Uh, we talked in there about wonder, wondering and being open-minded and curious about um, the reasons why we struggle, right? What about my life makes this behavior necessary? Why can't I stop doing this? And then also being curious about solutions. What are possible things that I could do physically, mentally, and spiritually to overcome this, right? What are, what's going on in my body? What are the, the, uh, the processes that are happening in me physiologically? Um, what's happening in my mind, right? What's happening psychologically? How maybe I'm acting out of a trauma or a wound or a, a false belief that's keeping me stuck. And then finally, what's happening spiritually? Maybe what, what vices do I have? How am I trapped in sin? How are negative spiritual influences affecting my life, the demons? So we need to do this reconnaissance process to determine this plan. And then finally, we need to determine strategies and tactics and differentiate between the two. A strategy is a general category of the sort of thing that we think is gonna be helpful. On the other hand, a tactic is, what specifically am I going to do in the moment? 
So the strategies are the sort of things that are going to help us accomplish our objectives. And then the, the tactics are the practical realizations of those strategies. So one example, let's use an example of, uh, of getting more sleep. Uh, so your strategy might be a bedtime routine, right? So you're going to do something leading up to when you try to fall asleep that's going to help you get there. And so the actual tactics you're going to employ are things like don't drink any caffeine in the afternoon, um, don't eat any food after dinner, don't exercise after dinner, dim the lights in the house, turn off all your devices a couple hours before you want to go to bed, brush your teeth, right? So, so you have the strategy, sort of the category of thing that's going to be helpful, and then the tactics, the actual practical things you're going to do to make those strategies work. All right, the second phase of this plan is to practice. One of the phrases that Jocko and Leif use a lot is that discipline equals freedom. And I think this phrase is great because it really jives with virtue theory. The idea of virtue is that, um, that flowing out of our disposition to the good or to the bad, we either act in a way that's ordered to God's design or disordered to God's design. But our actions aren't just, um, aren't just free-floating choices in the midst of, of options without any influence. No, each one of our choices are influenced by all the choices we've made before that and other factors around us. So discipline equals freedom reminds us that the goal isn't to not have any internal pressure toward any choice. The goal is actually to have internal pressure towards what's good for us, towards what's going to be for our flourishing, to what's in accord with our design and healthy for us. Um, so this practicing over time builds this discipline. In order to practice, we should come up with some way to drill what we want to do. A drill is essentially that we're going to do every day what we want to do when the moment of temptation is on us. So whatever you would want to do, whatever the plan you would want to execute, those tactics, in the moment of struggle, you want to do that every day when you're not struggling. Right? So you might set a timer or an alarm that comes up and then has a word in there that reminds you. And then what you do in that moment is you, you initiate the plan that you want to do when you're in the moment of struggle later. So you determine a drill to build this habit. I said in a previous episode, neurons that fire together, wire together. So this is even physiological in our body that we develop this habit and this disposition to actions. So we want to determine a drill. Another thing we want to do to prepare is align for battle. So we want to create a formation. You've probably seen soldiers uh, line up and march together or go through different drills um, where they're needing to maybe maintain spacing or remember their field of fire. But in these various ways, they enter into formations and that helps them be more effective. Two essential pieces to any, any formation is protecting your flank, meaning your sides, making sure that someone can't sneak up on you and get a tactical advantage by hitting you in a place where you can't see, and also having backup, right? If you know that there's someone behind you that's going to support you, then you also will have courage to face the enemy, knowing that if you do need help, it's there. So how do we set up a flank and a backup? I would propose that your flank are those beside you in battle, right? So your friends, maybe your spouse, spiritual directors, counselors, various people whom are in your life already, or maybe that you can go find, that are safe for you to share your struggles with, 
and then they can come alongside you. Maybe part of your, your drill that you do is to call one of these people every day uh, to practice the habit of reaching out and sharing what's happening. So then the next time that the difficult situation comes along, it's a habit for you to reach out to someone. Your backup, I think, is really the communion of saints. In the church, we believe we have this whole cloud of witnesses of people who have gone before us, good angels, people who have died and, and gone to heaven before us, uh, the Trinity themselves. All of these people are, are there to support us spiritually. And we go into spiritual battle with the confidence that they're with us, that they're supporting us, that these angels of the Lord are fighting at our side and, and probably even uh, fighting battles we're completely unaware of that are never getting to us. Um, so we go into battle with this backup, but we need to align this on a daily basis, meaning we should build devotion to a certain group of saints, to our guardian angel, to St. Michael, and relationship with all the persons of the Trinity and Mary, um, so that we have this backup when we're entering battle. We know we're not fighting alone. So we need to align for battle. We need a formation, set up our flank, and set up our backup. The final phase of the plan is execute. Execute is in the moment, doing what needs to be done. Uh, one of the core principles of combat that, that Jocko and Leif talk about is extreme ownership. Right. Ultimately, the only person that's responsible for my life is me. Every choice I make and the consequences that come from it and everyone that I'm responsible for and the consequences that come from my choices are ultimately my responsibility. I need to take extreme ownership of my life, and this is the most effective way to, affect, to approach my problems. So in the midst of this, for example, as part of our reconnaissance, we might have determined that part of my struggle might be wounds from my childhood, right? I might have experienced some kind of trauma or some kind of uh, a sinful action of a loved one that, that then caused trauma. And now acting out of that wound, I'm maybe repeating a pattern from my past or, um, or trying to um, avoid getting into that situation again. Right? But in the moment, that person's not responsible for my actions. I'm still responsible for me. So even though in my reconnaissance, I might determine that things from my past have affected this present moment, I'm still responsible for the choices I make. Right, Because I, with God's grace and God's help, do have the ability to grow and the ability to heal. The second principle of combat to remember is cover and fire. Right? You don't attack an enemy head-on without protection. You have these people on your flank and your back up there to help you. And when you're facing the moment of temptation, the moment of difficulty, it's not normally best to just attack it head-on. It's often a good idea to redirect yourself, to take an indirect approach. So a way to take an indirect approach might be, like um, one of my common struggles is sitting in my office in the afternoon and starting to feel both the tiredness of the day wearing on mixed with the stress of what I have to get done. And this, this mingling of exhaustion and stress and anxiety can be crippling, right? So I could try to attack that head on and just sally my will and, and dive into that moment and try to push through it. But that normally leads to me getting absolutely nothing done, right? The indirect approach for me means taking a break. Right? Maybe taking a walk, making a phone call and talking to someone. Maybe it's just pausing and praying and meditating, changing the environment in my office some way. But by doing that, I change the way I feel and then can uh, attack this, the same problem, but from a different perspective. So we need to cover and fire.
Another principle we need to employ is decentralized command. Decentralized command means that in the moment you have to have flexibility to change. Uh, the more creative you can be in the moment, the better. So although you've created a plan and you've drilled uh, to prepare for that moment, you have to be able to intuitively make decisions. Let's say, for example, part of your drill is making a phone call to someone when you start to get tempted. Well, if you're in the middle of a meeting, you won't necessarily be able to leave the meeting to make a phone call. So in that moment, you have to be flexible. You're going to have to be creative to determine something else you can do to deal with that in the moment. Another way you're flexible sometimes is to change the line of combat, right? You might be attempting to work a plan for a couple weeks and continue to hit the same point of struggle of difficulty, in which case what I would propose is take that specific area of difficulty, it might have been one of your objectives and strategies, and now make that the goal of your next plan. So let's say, for example, your goal is to eat healthier, and I'm going to flesh out this example later. Well, one common difficulty you might get to eating healthier is you always get so hungry in the evening after dinner and you can't, you can't stop but snack. You just snack every evening. And three weeks into this plan, you have started to eat healthier, but you're not getting the results you want because you can't stop eating those potato chips or whatever it is in the evening. Well, what I would propose doing is change the line of combat. Create a new plan where not eating after dinner becomes the goal. Right? And then you go through the process again. What are the objectives that will get you there? Do your reconnaissance. Uh, determine your strategy and tactics. Set a drill that's going to work to face that. Our final uh, principle of combat that I want to propose is default aggressive. Right? Default aggressive. It doesn't mean you're always going to do the most aggressive thing because you have to be flexible and creative. But when you default aggressive, it means you take all the ground you can. I think a lot of times... In our, our relationship with God, we'll leave low-hanging fruit unpicked. What I mean by this uh, is a lot of times you might come home from a conference or have a very strong spiritual experience or a strong conversion experience, and you come home and you change your life a little bit, but you don't change everything. right? You, you, you might make an excuse like, oh, God's not asking me to do that, or it'll, just a little bit will be okay. Right? And in that moment, you might have had the motivation and energy to actually change that part of your life, but you choose not to. Right? You take your foot off the accelerator. So we need to default aggressive, take ground, give everything to God we can. All right, so let's review the three phases of our plan. Number one is plan. We're going to determine goals and objectives. We're going to do reconnaissance, and we're going to set our strategies and tactics. Then we're going to drill we're going to find a way to practice. We're going to set up something we can do every day when we're outside of the moment of temptation to build a habit for when we are in the moment of temptation. Then we're also going to align for battle. We're going to set up allies on our flank and allies as backup. And then finally, we're going to execute. We're going to take ownership of our lives. We're going to cover and fire, take an indirect approach. We're going to be creative and flexible and then default to aggressive and take ground for the Lord. All right, so let me give you this example. One example might be that you want to work on a vice of gluttony, right? Which means that you're, you're overeating, you're eating excessively, and you're eating in a way that's unhealthy for your body. So your goal, your overarching goal might be something like develop a healthy relationship with food. And so what you do initially for reconnaissance is you study nutrition, right? Well, what is food? What's it supposed to do for my body? What are the best ways to eat to be healthy? 
So based on that study, you might set objectives like to consume a nu nutrient-dense foods, right? You don't necessarily have to eat less. Maybe it's just eating better. Learn how to differentiate between hunger and thirst, right? So you know you need something, but sometimes you might just be thirsty. And then 10% of the time, um, you allow yourself to eat sort of off the plan. Maybe something that I do is I try to avoid processed foods. So 90% of the time, I try to eat uh, foods that are not processed. So there in your strategies, you're going to try to consume a variety of natural foods at each meal. You're going to drink plenty of water, and you're going to limit the foods you eat that have nutrition labels. So when this actually meets your action, the tactics um, that you're going to do, you're going to want to, remember, set up that flank. You're going to talk to a close friend about what your hopes are, what you've come to learn, what your plan is. You're going to want to pray, right? Maybe start praying before your meal or just pray that you can stay present to your food while you're eating. You might set up a drill. One of your drills might be that every time you, you cook a meal, you let there be four different natural colors, meaning colors that aren't from dyes. And so this is sort of a, a general way to try to get some nutrient diversity in your diet. And then you're also going to drink a glass of water before, during, and after each meal. So pretty easy tactics. Talk to someone, share what you've learned, share your plan, pray, get God in the picture. And then finally, when you, when you set up your meals, you have this variety of colors, and then you drink this water. Well, like I said, implementing this plan, you might continuously hit this place where after dinner, you're experiencing this overwhelming hunger, this need to snack. Um, so what I would propose doing is not just to keep hitting your head against the wall and trying to, once again, sally your will and overcome this, but readjust your plan, change the line of battle so that that objective, maybe the idea of not eating food after dinner becomes the goal to stop eating in the evening when dinner's done. So for this reconnaissance, um, you're going to go deeper and start setting appetite and cravings. Like what actually makes me feel hungry? What can contribute to these cravings and what will actually make me feel full? You might learn about your hunger hormones. You might learn about the neuroregulation of appetite, right? What's going on in your brain when you feel hungry. So in these objectives that you set, you're going to want to, one of the objectives is going to be identifying the cause of hunger in the evenings. Right? You're going to want to explore your life, um, maybe patterns from your childhood, patterns from the last few years that you have of eating in the evening. Maybe you might think of what emotional needs you might be trying to fulfill with that food. Um, another objective will be to uh, just have one day where you don't eat after dinner. Right, start small. And then the next objective will be one more day and then a third day. Um, so take it in small bites like that. So your strategy might be something like eat a satiating dinner and hydrate after dinner and then practice a drill where even if you don't feel hungry, you stop and become aware of your feelings. So in order to eat a satiating dinner, you've learned that two of the biggest contributors to feeling satiated are protein and fiber. So you're going to specifically design your dinners to make sure you get enough protein and fiber. And then after dinner, you're going to also drink a glass of water. You're going to make sure you have enough to drink. But then your drill, what you might do is set an alarm that 30 minutes after you eat, this alarm is going to go off. And what you'll do is actually a small meditation with your body. So you'll stop and breathe, become aware of what you feel. 
Notice any sensations in your body where they're coming from. Notice any hunger and just spend a few moments being with that feeling. Right? You want to build a tolerance for sitting with that feeling. And then once you've noticed what's in your, your body, if you still feel the hunger or if you do feel hunger, you want to then drink a glass of water. And then if the hunger persists, even after you sort of address your emotional needs and then address your needs for hydration, then maybe you actually have a snack set aside, predetermined and measured that if I'm hungry, this is what I will eat in that moment. Right? You're actually going to feed your body and not fight your body. So this is uh, just an example of a way you might design this plan. I'd encourage you to check out the show notes to, to find all these definitions and ideas laid out. Also links to my website, Becoming Gift. You can go to becominggift.com forward slash post forward slash plan to get a file that will lead you through this, that you can design your own plan. And I would encourage you um, to take it easy, right? The, the Lord sees our whole life and is guiding us and is leading us. We want to be strategic about what we're doing, um, but we don't need to overdo it. Um, we want to give our whole life to the Lord, but we don't want to be to the point where we lose connection with the Lord, right? Holiness itself could become an idol for us. Self-improvement itself can become an idol for us. So we want to have all of this in the context of relationship with God. So as you're discerning and designing your plan, make uh, sure prayer is at the heart of it, that you're praying for God's guidance, that you're praying as you're studying, and that you're praying as you're making your decision as to how you want to, to face your struggles and heal with the Lord. Thanks for watching this episode of Physically Spiritual. If you're watching the show on YouTube, make sure to press the like button, subscribe to the Awakened Catholic YouTube channel, and turn on the bell notifications so that you can find out when new episodes are released. Also, it's super helpful if you could leave a review for the podcast on iTunes or your podcast player. At Awakened Catholic, we're dedicated to bringing people to truth through beauty. This show and all the shows here on Awakened Catholic are only possible because of people like you. You can become a part of what makes this all possible by making a tax-deductible donation for as little as the price of a cup of coffee a week. To join the Awakened Nation, visit awakencatholic.org forward slash join.